Last week, I was talking to one of our guys, Andy Gordon. Many of you may know Andy, uh, who had recently competed in a triathlon. And my understanding is the triathlon that he had been in, there was like a one-mile swim, there was a 24-mile bike ride, and there was a little bit over a six-mile run that he was to be involved in. So he'd already done the one-mile swim, and he was about a mile into the bike ride when there was an accident. Someone kind of cut in front of him. I don't know exactly the situation, but got too close to him. And I think he had shared with me he was going probably over 20 miles an hour on a bicycle and obviously had a terrible accident. He was banged up pretty good, as you can tell. But as you can also see, guess what happened? He got across that finish line. Amen? Amen. In fact, later I found out, I didn't know this when I was talking to Andy last week, but later I found out that after that, just because he was bored, he did another one that was a half-mile swim, a 13-mile bike ride, and over a three-mile run the same day. Okay. Now, what Andy did reminded me of a video. I don't know if you guys remember, a little while back, we shared a video of a guy back in the Olympics back in 1992. His name was Derek Redmond, and he only had just under 200 meters left to finish his race when his right hamstring popped, and he falls down crumples to the ground he he gets himself back up and and he says you know what even if i have to limp i am going to finish this race i'm going to get across after all this work i'm going to get across that finish line you guys remember that amazing image of his father coming out on the racetrack and telling all the all the security nope i am going out there and helping my son finish this race now i don't know if their wives see it this way but what andy and Derek did are great pictures. Y'all didn't pick up on that, did you? <laughs> I don't know if their wives see it as great determination or perseverance. But, but you know what? What they did, they said, I'm not going to give up, even if it gets hard. I'm going to keep my eyes on the finish line. And those guys are really great examples. The reason I share that with you tonight is because they're great examples of what we want to talk about in God's Word tonight in First Peter chapter 4. I want to talk to you about finish line faith. Now, as we've been studying 1 Peter, we've talked about how life is hard. We face difficult things. And we talked about how, you know, we need to realize that we are travelers. We are pilgrims. That's how 1 Peter puts this. We are going through a foreign land. We were all made for another world. Thank God. We were made for a place called heaven. We were made for a relationship with God. We were made for not all of these problems and not all this difficulty. And thank the Lord in the midst of all the problems that we face that he gives us help, that he gives us hope to face those hard times. And today the Lord is going to kind of continue that theme with us, but really to approach it from a finish line mentality. I heard one trainer say this. You want to give up? We don't get to the finish line and give up. That's when we work the hardest. It's now, at that point, that you've got to give it all you've got. Again, I want to call it finish line faith. God wants to say to us tonight, even though times can get difficult, to say the least, even unbearable, God wants to say to us tonight, friend, listen, if you have your eyes on him, if you are a follower of his, you can make it. And one of the keys to doing that is keeping your eyes on the finish line. Tonight, as we think about that, as we look at 1 Peter 4, verse 1, I want to talk about, first of all, God's Word tells us as you're in that race, as you're facing that struggle, you've got to fight the urge and not turn back. Write that down. God's Word tells us in verses 1 through 6, don't turn back. If you want finish line faith, you've got to determine, I am not 
going back to my old way of doing life. Now, I think most of us see ourselves as pretty strong, as fairly strong, okay? Hey, you know what? I go through difficulty, but hey, you know what? I'm going to get back up. I'm going to dust myself off, and I'm going to go forward. Do you ever feel like, you know, you're just going along in life, and you get blindsided? I mean, it's almost like a car hits you, okay? And, and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm on the ground. What just happened? Did anybody get a plate number? Okay, I'm going to live through this, shake myself off, stand up, and you stand up, and you just have kind of one foot on the ground. All of a sudden, here comes another car, runs over you, knocks you on the ground. This time, you say, hey, okay, all right, uh, I wasn't expecting that one. I'm down a little bit longer for this one, but okay, I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to get back up, and you turn around, and that's not a car. That's an 18-wheeler coming right at you. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you just own your last leg and all of a sudden you get that knockout blow from life? Isn't that how life feels sometimes? If you're a follower of Jesus, it could cause you to begin to give up on God. It could, you know, you say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to, I'm going to have this relationship with him. But you could begin to question yourself. I'm not so sure about that anymore. And you might be tempted to turn back to your old way of living life. First Peter chapter four, verses one through six, he says, do not do that. Let's read those verses. He says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, in the body as a human being, since Christ has done that, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh here in this body, no longer for the lust or the desires of men, but for the will of God. In verse 3 it says, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles or of the, the way the rest of the world does things, having pursued a course of sensuality. That means an open flaunting of sin. Okay, just doing whatever we do, and we don't care who, who knows about it, okay? He says, the time has already passed. You pursued a path in life of just kind of doing what you want to do and don't care who knows about it, of lusts, of desires, of drunkenness, of carousing. That, that's talking about wild partying, of drinking parties, of abominable idolatries. It says in verse 4, in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel, the good news, has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Now, what's happening in these verses, we, we studied last week, we studied the end of chapter 3. What's happening in verses 1 and 2 is kind of a tie-in with what we talked about last time. We talked about Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And how even though... Uh, what he did did not seem to turn out so great at first. That's an understatement, right? Okay. Even though it didn't seem to, he, he, you know, he was trying to help us. He was trying to be our savior, but unfortunately it, it, it didn't go so well, right? But even though that happened at the end, he accomplished the great, even though he suffered, he accomplished the greatest thing ever done for mankind. Now listen. And as a result of Jesus being willing to put up with a lot of things that he didn't deserve, now a whole lot of people are going to heaven because of him. Anybody here? Amen? 
And they're kind of encouraging us in those verses to be like him. Jesus was willing to put up for those things for a while, and he didn't enjoy them any more than we do, but he showed us that doing God's will and dying to ourselves is the best way. And what basically verses 1 and 2 are saying is, listen, we've talked about Christ. We talked about what he did for you. Live like him. That's just kind of a challenge here at the beginning of these verses. Live like him. But then specifically, what I want to focus on is in verses 3 through 6. In those verses, that's where we get the challenge. So in light of that, in light of that challenge to live like Christ, do not be tempted to turn back to your old way of life. How many of us have an old way that we used to live? How many of us have a BC, a before Christ? All of us, don't we? All of us. All of us have had a time in our life when we didn't have a relationship with God, when we were uh, separated from God. We didn't have that closeness, that connection with him. We were trying to do things our own way. But you know what? When Jesus Christ came into our lives, we determined that with his help, we were going to live this life differently. Amen? One guy in our church told me this. He says, Robbie, I've wasted most of my life up until this point. I want whatever is left of my life to be all for him. Isn't that awesome? I talked to a businessman. He said, Robbie, I've spent 30 years building my own kingdom. And look where that got me. He said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life building God's work and his kingdom. Does that describe your heart tonight? I've had enough of that. I lived away without God for a while, but I've had enough of that. But you know what? But sometimes life can get you down, can it? Hey, listen, let's just be real for just a second. Do you ever feel like giving up? Okay, thank you for somebody, okay? (laughs) Do you ever feel like throwing in the towel? Do you ever feel like, why should I try? Why should I make any effort? What does it matter anyway? And sometimes life can just keep, you know, you're trying to do the best you can to walk with God, to honor him, to serve him, to live his purpose for your life, and here comes that car. Wham! Okay, all right, all right, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. All right, Lord, help us get back up. All right, let's dust off. We're going to be all right. Better days ahead. Wham! (laughs) Isn't that how it feels sometimes? And it can get you down. And that's why Peter says in verses 3 to 6, don't do that. Don't go back. In verse 3, he says, For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Now, the word Gentile just means the nations. It's talking about the world, the way we do things in the world without God. He's saying there's plenty of that in your past. Amen? You've had plenty of opportunity to do things your way. He says the time has already passed for that. Plenty of life away from God. You've done all those things that that the world says is the way that we should pursue our lives, but where did that get you? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages, what we earn for going our own path. Is it not true, friends? We can't fight it. We might want to fight it, but we can't fight it. When we try to do this by ourselves, we cannot do it. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It, it's destruction. It's hurt. It's pain. It's problems. It's difficulty. It's, it's, it's bankruptcy. It's divorce. It's, it's loss. It's pain in our lives. He says, you've, you've had plenty of opportunity to do that, pursuing all those things that, 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 that we, we pursue in the world, all those desires. And then in verse 4, he acknowledges, he says, sometimes it is tempting to turn back. You look around, you say, hey, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to make right choices. But you know what? I see there are other people around me that are just kind of doing what they want to do. And to be honest with you, sometimes it looks kind of fun what they're doing. Isn't that true? 
I mean, if sin wasn't fun, nobody'd do it, right? Okay? If doing my way, if there wasn't something desirable about it, then nobody would go that way. It's fun for a little while. Especially it's difficult, it says, because sometimes you're trying to do the right thing and others malign you. They make fun of you. They laugh at you. It says, because you do not you do not run with them. And actually that word run means plunge into, dive into something. It's saying there used to be a time in your life where you just kind of, just no holds barred, you just did what you wanted to do. You just plunged into it. You just went all out, just doing your way. And it says, now that you're not doing that, that kind of sticks out a little bit. Oh, Robbie, he's gone all, you know, religious on us, you know, or, oh, now you're a little Miss Pure. Okay, I get it. You know, I, I see I see how it, it, people at work maybe say those kind of comments to you. And it's difficult, isn't it? Hey, I'm trying hard, but this is this is a struggle, and, and I'm kind of getting made fun of or kind of getting some, some challenges anyway. But then in verse 5, he says, but don't be deceived by that. He says in verse 5, you've got to realize that they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Okay, what the Bible is saying is many times people who are saying those things don't, haven't seen what God has put in your heart. They don't realize that, that those things that they're doing, that, that they're going to give an account to that one day. And so don't be tempted to go back to something that's going to pull you away from God. Why would that be tempting? It's, it's kind of what it's saying. And even in verse 6, in verse 6 is kind of some confu- a confusing verse. It's kind of like what we talked about last time at the end of chapter 3. But here's what I think it may mean. It says... In fact, instead of wanting to go back, instead of wanting to be like others, he says, actually, they need to get on the path you're on. The gospel's been preached to them. It says it's been preached to the dead. I think that's talking about it's been preached to those who are separated from God, spiritually dead, but they're given the opportunity, though they're guilty, that they might have the same opportunity you've been given to be saved and rescued. Okay, so here's what it's saying. Okay, I'm going through life. And I'm trying to walk with God. You're a child of God here today. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for years, or maybe you're just getting started. I'm trying to do the right thing. Life is tough, and there are times when I just want to say, forget it. I'm tired of trying to do the right thing. I'm tempted to just go back to my old way of living, and especially when there are a lot of people who are telling me that's what I ought to do anyway. And the Bible says, do not be tempted by that. Look at the goal. Look at the finish line. Look at what God's called you to. Even though it's difficult, why would you want to go back to that? Where did that get you? Just like the children of Israel. <laughs> they said, we'd just rather go back to Egypt. Oh, wasn't it wonderful there? Wasn't it wonderful in Egypt? Uh, one word description of Egypt was what? Slavery. We would rather go back to slavery than to follow the Lord's direction. It's a struggle sometimes, though, isn't it? If we're honest. Even though it gets tough sometimes, don't even think about going back. But i got to challenge you. If you can go back and you stay back, you've got some real questions about whether you've really ever truly experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. We all struggle, don't we? We all take those turns back. So we all look over our shoulder and sometimes kind of think maybe I might and maybe we try it. But if you're a child of God, you can't stay back. God has called you to move forward. Now, that's the negative part. That's the don't part of his challenge here, the warning part. But now I want to turn to the positive motivation. And don't miss how important that is. I think that too many of us, listen, too many of us focus mostly on not doing negatives. Did you hear that? I don't know if that's exactly great English, but I'm just trying to explain it to you, all right? Too many of us 
focus on not doing negatives. But is that God's focus? You know what? Some people have been taught that. Some people have been taught that God is just a don't do God. Okay? He's just like, don't do that. Don't do that. And that God's focus is on not doing the bad. Well, I think about Andy. I think about that Derek guy. Was their focus in that race? I don't want to mess up or I don't want to turn back. No, their focus was what? I want to finish this race. I want to do well. And the reason I'm not going to turn back is because I've entered this race to experience the finish of the race. I think a lot of Christians, listen, this may be helpful for somebody. A lot of us are content to no longer doing some of the bad things, some of the old ways. But can I challenge you tonight? Are you proactively pressing into the good things that God has for your life? I pray that God speaks to you about that tonight. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Young people, Jesus is not a don't do. He's not a bad news. He's not a harp on you kind of savior. The reason he's saying don't go back is because he has some wonderful things where? Out front. And so that's what we want to turn to next in verses 7 through 11. He not only says don't turn back, but he says keep moving towards the goal. And he gives us some instructions for that in verses 7 through 11. He says in verse 7, he says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to, do so, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. And I love those passages in the Bible. It's like Joe's drum roll, okay, or Jeffrey, you know. It's like, to whom, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen! I tell you, I'm going to learn drums one day. Y'all know I want to. Josh is going to teach me, all right? In verse 7, there's a simple statement, but it really kind of frames what we're wanting to think about here. He says, the end of all things is near. Okay, the word that he uses there is a word in the Greek language. There were, there were a couple of words for time. One of those was chronos. That meant, like we get our word chronological. It means kind of sequential, one, two, three, four. It's talking about actual numbers, actual time. This one was telos, okay? And it was a word. It was a time word, but it was not focused on the actual clock. It means a wrap-up, or it means a completion, a stopping point. It's like when we say, okay, kids, the time has come, all right, for whatever. It doesn't mean it's 2 o'clock or it's 3 o'clock. It just means it's time. We're ready. Now it's going to happen. The appointed time, the right time, the chosen time. What this is saying is God's work. Are you listening? Okay, we're just going through life. We're just living. And today seems like yesterday, doesn't it? And yesterday felt like the day before. And it just kind of just, time just kind of keeps on going. It just seems like one day is just the same as the next. The Bible says, listen, friends, if, you are, if you've got your eyes on the Lord, you need to realize that it's not that arbitrary. Time is drawing to a close. We're getting close to the finish line. God is wrapping his work up in this world. In light of that, get ready for it. 
Don't back down, but keep pressing toward the goal. I even thought about this. Even lunge for it. Amen? Keep pressing toward the goal. How do we have a finish line faith and keep moving towards the goal? Not just avoid the negatives that God says, don't go back to those things. But no, the reason I called you out of was so that I could send you into, okay? And so what does God call us into? He says, first of all, in verse uh, verse 7, he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, in light of that, how should we be living? He says, first of all, be of sound judgment and sober. Write down this. God says for us to be paying attention. Write that down, number one. Basically, get your head on straight. Pay attention. Wake up. Y'all may have heard me tell the story before. About five years ago, I was laying in bed, and, you know, Dr. Adrian Rogers is a real kind of hero of mine of the faith. And I remember I was, it was one of those mornings where I was kind of sleeping. I think it was cold outside, you know, and I was kind of snuggled up under the covers. And, and, and it was still, you know, I think during the winter, you know, it was still dark outside when I was going to get up. And, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to get up, but I wanted to spend some time with the Lord. And, and so all of a sudden the clock went off, and these are the words that Adrian Rogers said. Christian, wake up! And I mean, he went into a tirade about how lazy Christians are and how, you know, we're missing what God's wanting to say to us. And I started giggling in the dark. And Shannon's like, what is wrong with you? I mean, it's the middle of the night and you're laughing. I said, God's got such a sense of humor, doesn't he? He was talking. He wasn't really. That was just for me. Okay. But he was talking about how Christians were just. We're just. And God says, listen, I am working around you. Y'all like that, didn't you? I said, he said, I'm working around you and you are sleeping. Wake up. Pay attention. Stop playing games. Get serious. Are you ready? God calls us to discipline and focus in a life that's worth living with good judgment, paying attention to what he's doing around us. Secondly, he says, get serious about prayer. Write that down. Number two, get serious about prayer. He says, therefore, pay attention. Look what God is doing. Listen, I know you got blindsided. It's easy to kind of go, oh my goodness, I'm seeing stars. But get your head back on straight. Get back in the game and get serious about prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. I have times in my life that are up in prayer and I have times that are down. And to be honest with you, I've been through a little bit of a downtime, but I'm on the way back. Amen. Will you pray for me? I'm on the way back. I'm getting a hunger. I'm getting desperate. How about you? I'm getting desperate. I need to hear from the Lord. And I believe this church needs to continue moving forward and getting serious about prayer. I'm serious, church family. I believe if there's one thing, I mean, I was at a, at a service last night where a guy was being installed as a new director of this great ministry, Word of Life. You guys know about the Word of Life. He was being installed, and, and, and it was just so awesome to see the service and this man's life and all this, and it was just like being in heaven. Okay, it was just like being in heaven on, on Judgment Day when people were getting their rewards. I mean, it was just a great testimony of someone's life and how God was blessing them with more impact and influence because they were walking with him. And God just really spoke to me. One day, I'm going to stand before him. And I'm going to give an account for my life. Did I really live for things that were important? I believe, and you hear people who are Christians, who've been Christians for years, as they get closer to the end of life, you ask them what they regret the most, it's that they did not seek God more through prayer. And they're turning back to us and saying, this is one that doesn't make sense to y'all. But this is one that is key. 
to getting across the finish line. I cannot stress it to you enough. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a personal daily time that you spend with God? Do you? You have a time every day where you seek God in his word, where you talk with him. Is that is that staying fresh? Are you staying close to God? Is that just a habit? Is that just a ritual that you have? Or do you love the Lord with all your heart and you're seeking him with all your heart and you're crying out on behalf of others with all of your heart to him? Is our church family like that? Thank God for the amazing prayer warriors in our church family. But I got to tell you, church family, we got a long ways to go on prayer. And we are not done. I'm telling you, you're going to hear more and more about prayer because we're either going to do it or we're not, okay? But we're going we're gonna to make, we're going to give it our best shot because we must get serious about prayer. In the midst of the trial, he says, get serious about prayer. Thirdly, he says, go crazy with love. That's my words, actually. But let's look at what it says in verse 8. He says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Now, I want to challenge you to be careful not to skip this one because I think we're kind of prone to say, oh, yeah, I love everybody, right? Oh, yeah, no, no, I got this one. I mean, the prayer thing I know I need to work on, you know, uh, getting serious. Maybe I need to have a little more focus. But no, no, I love everybody. No, you're thinking of love as a noun. Okay, love as a noun is I have a feeling for everyone, right? I have this, I have this uh, kind of love for everybody, but the Bible talks more about uh, love as a verb. What's the difference? A verb is what? Action. Love is in action. I intentionally, according to the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, I intentionally act with love and concern towards others. This verse, I believe, is calling us to go crazy with love. First of all, it says, above all. Okay? It's saying, of all the things I'm going to tell you, this one really kind of start. Above all, it sounds pretty important, doesn't it? It says, Stay fervent, and actually the word, I think we mentioned this in a message not too long ago. The word actually here means to stretch out, okay? It says stretch out, stay fervent, stay hot, get crazy, just stretch out, stretch yourselves. Let God stretch you and your love for one another. A church family, I believe we have a loving church. I believe we have a welcoming church. I believe even in a stretched out, we have a sacrificial church. But can I be honest with you? I think sometimes some of us are holding back. And I'm including myself. We don't want to stretch out too far. Amen? Our time, our money, our sacrifices for other people, or even commitment-wise. Listen, are we so unconditionally committed to one another, friends, listen, that we will stay together through thick and thin, through the years, the ups and downs of life? Can I just share with you, over the years, I've seen people bail when it gets hard. Okay, I want to ask you. And I know this is kind of this kind of tough words, but you know what? If if you can say in your heart, "Yes, I'm stretched out." That's the that's the passion. That's the love that I have for my church family and for serving the Lord together and doing all that God's called us to do. Then praise the Lord for that. But if that's not what you could say, I believe God would challenge you. I don't know if I have, as one author said, crazy love. Something stirring in my heart for it. How about you? I want to go more. I don't want to just do church. Amen. I have no desire to just have an organization and be religious and do a bunch of activities. Negative, I'm going fishing tomorrow morning. Amen? 
<laughs> I mean, it's pretty outside. I'm not even going this evening. Skip the 7 o'clock service if it's just going to be a religious organization. Because look what love does. It says love will cover. Wow, this is a big verse. Love covers a multitude of sins. I mean, we could spend a whole message, really a series, on what I just said. Love will cover a multitude. Actually, the word is where we get our, our word plethora. Okay, I'll use a big word for you guys that are English people. Okay, love will cover a plethora, a multitude, lots and lots of sins. But love, people are going to find God. That covers a lot of sin, doesn't it? When people come to Jesus and their lives are changed, that covers a lot of sin. With love in the place, with love in this house, there's going to be relationships reconciled. Love will cover a lot of things that were done wrong. Amen? We're going to, aren't we going to need some of that? Because there's a lot of sin around here. We're sinners, aren't we? I mean, if I understand English, sinner means one who sins, right? So if we're full of sinners, that means we've got a lot of people that sin in this place. But if there's love in this place, it's going to cover a lot of that stuff. Number four, he says, be welcoming to others. In verse 9, he actually literally says, he says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, this is very interesting to me. Okay, this is like, okay, we're saying, be focused. Start praying. You know, love one another. All this action. And then all of a sudden it says, and be hospitable. You know, to me, that's, that's kind of like, you know, have people over to your house because Jesus is coming back. Doesn't that sound odd? I mean, uh, some have interpreted Jesus coming back as meaning that you kind of got to be ADD. You know, like you got to just like be on edge all the time. But this actually measures that a little bit. We do need intentionality. We do need urgency. But listen, why is Jesus coming back? He's coming back for people, right? And so what the Bible is saying to us is, if you want to get serious in the midst of difficulty and struggle in your life, if you want to get serious about God's focus and press across that finish line, even in the midst of the obstacles, get serious about welcoming and being hospitable to other people. Love people, welcome them, invite people into your life. And then when people see Jesus in your life, invite them to him. That's one of the reasons we should be a welcoming church. We should be a friendly church. Friends, listen, I pray that nobody ever walks through those doors back there and wonders, did anybody care if I was here? Is that our heart, church family? I heard one, yeah. Is that our heart, church family? Oh, that's three. Okay, is that our heart, church family? Okay, well, we're going to have to work on that because that was like three times that I was asking you, okay? That's kind of like when your parents tell you what to say. All right, right, do we want to be a welcoming church? Okay, thank you, all right? Guys, listen, seriously, I think about this every weekend. God, please don't let us miss anybody. Please don't let anybody who is hungry, who is hurting, who is looking for you, because listen, I know it's not all about us, it's about God, but many times if we don't notice, if we don't care, if we don't reach out, they they take that to mean that God must not care about me. God's not paying attention to me. God's wanting to work through us as his service to let everybody that we possibly can know that you are important to us because you are important to him. God, help us. Thank God for our welcome team. 
Thank God for people who are holding the door, who are out in the parking lot helping people find a place to park. Thank God for that. But even I want to challenge the welcome team. Don't just be doing a job. Go the extra mile. Be a person. All of us are on the welcome team. And if you're on that team, be a person that says, you know what, how can I do everything that I possibly can to say to someone, we are so glad that you're here because God has something for you today. Be hospitable. And God knows us, he said, without complaint. All right, I'll think about others, but I won't necessarily like it. (laughs) We are selfish, aren't we? It is hard to think about others, isn't it? It takes work. He says, if you're going to go across that finish line, you've got to think like this. It's worth it. Don't complain about it. Enjoy doing it. Number five, he says, we need to use our gifts. In verse 10, He says that each one has received a special gift. Employ it, put it to use in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God says, friends, some of us need to hear this. Some of us are wasting God's resources. God has gifted you. God has given you abilities. God has given you passions or interests or talents or even spiritual gifts that he's given you that he wants you to use and you're letting those lie dormant you've got them in a closet somewhere you're waiting on something you know what and sometimes i know there needs to be healing in our lives there needs there's transitions in our life i understand that but there's a time that comes that you know it's time to get in the game it's time to let god work through your life he says be good stewards be good managers of the multifaceted grace of god now we could spend the whole message on that one listen what he's saying is God's grace is pretty amazing, isn't it? It has lots of angles to it. Don't miss this. It has lots of angles. It's like a jewel, right? It's got all these cuts and angles to it, all these sides, multifaceted. Listen, you are one of those angles on God's good grace. Okay, be good stewards of that. Hey, what if part of the jewel was covered? It would still be pretty, right? But it wouldn't be all that you could see that it could be, right? And today, is part of Jesus and his body and his work in this world not being seen by others because you're not in the game? He says, use your gifts. Specifically, he says, if you've got speaking gifts, use those. If you've got serving gifts, use those. Now, he does challenge us. If you're going to use speaking gifts, make sure it's God speaking through you. Okay? Don't get on some soapbox. Don't get on some, I'm speaking for God. And so, you know, you ever seen pastors like that? God told me. Anytime somebody says, God told me, I'm kind of like, well, he didn't tell me yet, all right? So if he told us in his word, then okay. But if he just told you something, well, you know, I don't know about that, all right? Now, I could say to you, I sense God saying, or I believe God is saying to us, or, or his word says, we need to be very careful. If we're speaking for God, if you've got visible gifts where you're speaking to other people's lives, there's a high degree of accountability there. Make sure you're speaking with God working through you. And then he says serving gifts. If you're serving, those gifts have a tendency to get tired, right? Serving gifts, working hard, sacrificing. He says make sure that you're doing it in whose strength? In God's strength. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Okay? Martha was doing it in her own strength. Make sure that you're doing it in God's strength. But in everything, here's the drum roll. Y'all want me to do it again? All right, so then all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I can't help it when I see that. I just see it. Boom, boom, boom. To whom belongs the glory 
and dominion. I mean, he's just getting excited here. You can't, it's hard. You ever read an email and you can't get the passion out of the email? It's just like, it's just words on a page. Well, that's kind of, sometimes you're reading God's word. You need to see, Peter was saying, so that in all things, God may be glorified, praise his name, through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. That's the point. That's what amen means. Press on across the line. God's given you some instructions. Those guys in those races, they had some decisions to make. Things got tough. They could have given up. They made some choices about some steps to take. So God, I want to do that, but I don't know the steps to take. Well, he gave them to you tonight. So my question is, are you going to take what he gave you and respond to it? Well, I don't like what he said. Well, then that's another issue. <laughs> or I don't want to do that. <laughs> or, or I had another thing in mind. Well, you've got to talk to the Lord about all that. I'm just giving you what his word says. Tonight, it's very simple. Press on, and here's how you can do that. Will you just obey him? Are you living a finish line faith? Hey, you know what I learned a few years ago? Everybody's got it rough. Everybody's got it rough. Amen? Everybody I talk to has it rough. And we all think we're the only one who's got it rough. And I, partly I think that's the enemy. He just wants us to think we're the exception and nothing good can happen from us in our lives and our situation. But I just begin to realize if people who have it rough don't just get over it and trust God anyway, then nobody will ever do anything for God. What do you think? You think I'm right? I want to encourage you tonight. Don't even think about going back. And pray for me to do the same. Because sometimes don't you just want to give up? Don't you just want to give in? But tonight the Lord's saying, why would you want to go back to that? And you know what that, you know what that is? That's, that's a track that's going to hurt you and that one day you're going to have to stand before God and give an account for. Let's don't go there. But let's turn around and see what God's good word says to us. We are to press into tonight. Will you say to the Lord, I'm not going back by your help and your grace. I will not turn. Amen. And God, help me to press on with the things that you've challenged me with tonight. Let's bow before the Lord for just a moment as we close out tonight. Many times as I share, I see myself as kind of like one of those guys, the water boy in the race. I'm not going to be running the races, I don't think. But I can be on the sideline handing the cup to somebody else. And I hope that I could be God's servant to just hand you a cup. Say, hey, here's a relief station. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an encouragement station. You didn't know if you could make it the, the last half of the race. But God has something for you tonight. Replenishment, refreshment, encouragement. I hope that God's done that in somebody's life tonight. Go ahead and, and take one more step. Go ahead and live one more week. And don't give up. Keep pressing on. But don't just focus on not turning back. Press forward into the things that God's called us. Is God speaking to you? Do you need to wake up?
Do you need to get serious about prayer? Do you need to get serious about getting involved in the lives of others and showing crazy kind of love, over-the-top, sacrificial service to others? And tonight I would just say to you, if you do not know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, I can't really give you the hope. I can't give you that promise that God's going to be able to help you get through this and that everything's going to be okay. I can't give you that promise of victory. It's available for you, but you've got to trust Him, just like Dee and Jeff and Derek have made that decision to put their life in the hands of God. Would you do that tonight? Would you call upon Him and ask Him to be your Savior? Would you ask Him to come into your life and forgive you for what you've done wrong? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word that encourages us and empowers us. I pray that it would not just be a nice lesson, but God, that it would sink down into our hearts and truly change us to be more like your son, Jesus. We pray in his awesome name. Amen. Amen. Tonight, is God speaking to you? Hey, you know what? Tonight, it may not be anything major, life-changing. may not be anything specific. You just need a cup of water just to know God is paying attention. I see your life. I know it's hard. I'm with you. Would you just worship him tonight for that? Just thank him that he gave you that cup of cold water tonight and encouragement. He's watching your life. Whatever it is tonight, if it's something specific, you know, talk to God about that. Or if you need to talk with somebody, I'm going to be available down front. I'd love to pray with you. There's something you're working through, a decision. If you saw those being baptized tonight, you said, you know what? I've been waiting. I've accepted Christ. I know I need to do that. And you want to let us know that tonight. We just rejoice with you.